Are you ready to dive into the powerful truth the kingdom of heaven has for us? Let's join our host, Ruth Hendrickson, for Real Truth with Ruth as we dive into the Word of God. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we're going to talk about doubting hearts and we're going to talk about Jesus. Now, don't get mad at me, but here's the thing. Most of us have some element of a doubting heart, okay? There's There's been things that we have wrestled through, things that we have contended for, where God hasn't shown up the way that we want him to show up, the way that we think he should, up, should show up. Even it doesn't seem to align with what the word says. And so it's like we have these little seedlings of doubt trying to grow within our hearts. And so we're in there and we're tending and we're pulling these things out. But in order to pull them out, we have to really be aware of them. And I was really thinking about that as I dove into Mark chapter six, and I want to read verses 45 to 52, but first I want to set the stage. So we're at a point where Jesus had actually sent out his 12 disciples. He's like, go do the stuff. Okay. So they go out and they preach Jesus. So they're casting out the demons. They're anointing people with oil. They're seeing the healings. Like they're doing the stuff. And think about how excited you get when you go out and do the stuff of the kingdom or when you dream about doing the stuff of the kingdom. And that's what they're out doing. And in the midst of all this, John the Baptist is beheaded. Okay. And so there's all this going on, like these different edges of, okay, John being beheaded. And like, we can read the story and we can see the account, but imagine being the disciples finding out that John had been beheaded and trying to wrestle through the grief, the pain, the questions. And at the same time, they're doing the stuff. Okay. They're doing what, what Jesus, what they've watched Jesus do. And they've been commissioned and sent out to do this. And uh, so they come back and they begin to tell Jesus everything. And can you just feel the excitement? They're so, so excited. They're also tired, okay? It's like, I know after I go speak, like, I want to go walk, walk, walk. Like, I'm really excited of what God's done. Uh, but then there hits a point where I'm done. I'm tired, okay? I've given, 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 given. And, and like, even the adrenaline that comes with that, like, it's, it's, it's hit its max and the body just goes, boom, and I'm tired. Okay, I'm toast for a little bit. And so, you know, the, the disciples come back telling Jesus all this, and there's a lot of crowds around. And Jesus is, suggests basically that they all take a break. Yo, he, he's like, let's go off and find somewhere where we can rest. We can get something to eat. You know, we could talk privately. But, you know, the, the crowd, paparazzi, kind of follows them. And, yo, he steps back out of the boat. And what is there? There's a crowd of people again. There's demands placed on him. And Jesus being Jesus, what does he do? He goes and heals the people. So the day goes on and, you know, dinner time rolls around. And, you know, remember the disciples who have been out ministering. And uh, they don't quite have the God component that Jesus has, you know, so they're in their humanness. I'm sure they're tired and they're hungry. Their tummies are beginning to rumble. And they suggest that Jesus send the crowds away to go get some food. So I'm sure part of this is is uh, just hunger. My guess is part of it is tiredness. They're weary. And But what does Jesus do? Of course, he tells them to feed them. And so this is where we see one of the times where the loaves and the fish are multiplied. We have 5,000 families fed. We have 12 basketfuls of leftovers. 
Okay. So this is where we're going to pick up. Um, after their meal, Jesus, he goes and tells the disciples to get back into the boat and go ahead of him while he dismisses the crowds, which I just found that fascinating because, you know, the crowds are following Jesus. They're not following the disciples at this point. They're following Jesus. And, um, and rather than Jesus backing up, which is what a lot of like pastors, speakers, leaders do, like they'll go back to the green room or whatever, and somebody else dismisses the crowds, you know, um, here's Jesus going, you guys go, you go home, you know, you get in the boat, you go to the other side, basically, I'll catch up with you. I'm going to take care of the crowds. I'm going to dismiss the crowds. How like Jesus, how like Jesus. And so picking up in verse 46, this is again, it's Mark 6. So he dispersed the crowd, said goodbye to the disciples and slipped away to pray on the mountain. As night fell, the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on the land. The wind was against the disciples and he could see that they were straining at the oars, trying to make headway. It was almost morning. Jesus came to them walking on the surface of the water and he started to pass by them. When they all saw him walking on the waves, they thought he was a ghost and screamed out in terror. But he said to them at once, don't yield to fear, have courage. It's really me. I am. Then he came closer and climbed into the boat with them, and immediately the stormy wind became still. They were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment. Their doubting hearts had not grasped his authority and power over all things in spite of having witnessed the miraculous feeding. And let me say, in spite of being sent out to cast out the demons and heal the sick and you know set the captives free in his name, in spite of seeing all the healings that he'd already done, they still, they were not grasping. And that's what I feel like where some of us are, are like, we're, we've seen this, you know, we've seen the stuff. We've even done the stuff of the kingdom of heaven. We've seen heaven come to earth. And yet there's still these little seedlings of doubt. And, and the thing is, is when we have those seedlings of doubt, we actually can miss what Jesus is really doing. Um. You know, and, and so I want to take us, you know, when we look at this, they're out. Okay, so so he sent them off. They're out in the boat. The wind is against the disciples, and he can see that they're straining the oars, trying to make headway. Okay, so just say God sees. Okay, God sees. Even in our doubt, even in our difficult situation, God sees. And that word translated there, you know, some, some versions say that, you know, they're painfully, you'll work in the oars, they're you know, they're, they're struggling with them. Okay, either way, we're getting this, this picture of extreme difficulty, and we need to see that. Okay, sometimes we're like, well, I've been in a rowboat, and it can be hard to get those, row, you know, those oars going, and it can be hard. These are seasoned fishermen. They, they have the muscles to do this stuff. Okay, they know the seas. They know the weather patterns. They know the storms, and this is painful. Like, they're straining, and actually, that same word that's, that's used there um, is used elsewhere for torment that comes from things like demon possession. That would be Mark 5, 7, or childbirth, Revelation 2, 12, 2, or even hell, Revelation 14, 10. So there's an intensity there that we actually lose in translation. Okay, so so it's that pulling against everything. Um, we don't know anything else about the state of the disciples in this moment. Scripture doesn't tell us, but I think we could say um, in their humanness, I'm sure there's some anxiety creeping in. I'm sure that um, frustration is there. I'm sure that fear could also be entering in with that level. We understand the intensity of what's going on there. But the key is here that Jesus sees. Okay, he's not with them 
in the moment. He's not physically with them in the boat. But because of who he is, he sees and he sees the struggle. And in that, he comes to them. Okay, so one of the things, just real quick, you know, in the Psalms, it tells us that, you know, we can't escape from his presence. You know, there's no place we can go where he's not there. And so, you know, and that's what we're seeing here is that the Lord's seen and he doesn't he doesn't just watch them struggle. You know, it's not like, oh, let's see how long they can do this, you know, before they give up or before they cry out to me. It's like, no, he comes to them. But the thing is, is, is the scripture says, it says that he goes to pass by them. And sometimes we get stuck in the struggle and it's like, okay, Jesus, I could see you, but it feels like you just went and passed by. And like, there's this game going on. Like now you see me now you don't, I'm here. My word says I'm here, but no, I'm not really here. I just walked by right by you in the midst of your struggle. And again, when we go down that road, what we begin to do is plant or, or even fertilize those seedlings of doubt. But you see, this is no game. You see, he doesn't play games like that with you. He does not play games like that with me. What it is really what he's doing, go back to Exodus 33, 18 and 19. This is Moses. And Moses is saying, okay, God, I'm struggling here. Show me your glory. And what does God do? He says, I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. Okay, and I'm going to proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious. And, and that that showing of himself to Moses or even Elijah in 1 Kings 19, 11, where he says to Elijah, you know, Elijah's been struggling. Okay, and he says to him, okay, go stand on the mountain of the Lord. And the Lord passed by. Okay, and with that, there's the wind, there's the earthquake, and God's not in either of those. Okay, but he's in that that still small voice in the midst of the storm. So what God did, for Moses and Elijah, Jesus is now doing for the disciples. In other words, he's passing by, not to ignore them, not to frighten them, but so that they can see his glory, who he is. Now, what's their response? It's a ghost. Oh, no. Um, but, you know, what he says is he says, take heart. It's I. Don't be afraid. But what's happening in the literal translation, what Jesus is saying is, I am. It's that divine name. I am God. Okay. I'm, I'm not just here to calm your storm. I'm not just here to give you peace. I am. Do you understand that I'm not a ghost? Do you understand that there is no need to fear? There is no need to be anxious. There is no need to be frustrated. There is no need to be discouraged because I am God. Okay. I am not a figment of your imagination. I am God. So he's passing by again, not to play a game, but to show his glory. And when I, when I caught that, it was like, wow, what a different, when we understand what Jesus was doing in that moment, you know, of course, with that, Jesus goes and he steps into the boat and everything becomes calm because why peace has entered the boat. Peace has entered the storm. And a storm cannot rage when the peace that Jesus carries comes into that moment. It has to be still a physical storm, an emotional storm, a financial storm. When peace steps in, when I am steps in, when God steps in, it changes everything. However, Mark tells us that they're utterly astounded. 
and here's the thing. This is not a positive statement. Okay. Astonishment is not faith. That's one to gnaw on for a little bit to take and chew on. Astonishment is not faith. You see, he goes on and he says, because their hearts were hardened. Job felt this. He says, uh, you know, Job 9-11. Well, okay, let me back up. Job 9-8 says, he alone is spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. But if you jump down to 11, it says, yet when he comes near, I cannot see him. When he moves by, I do not see him go. Okay, so that's that's that sense of, wait a minute, this this is, where is he? Where is he? So what I'm saying is the disciples saw the miracles, but they missed the point. How often have we seen miracles, but missed the point? How often have we walked in astonishment, then rather recognizing who's with us? How often have we actually ended up feeding the seeds of doubt? rather than pulling them out and say, no, I am, I am, my God, the great I am is here. It's really important that we don't miss Jesus when he, when he goes to pass by, because remember, he's not passing by as we think of passing by. He's showing us his glory. And we, we, grab onto that because remember we move from glory to glory i mean so so that it's not that he's passing you by he's showing your glory but with that just like it looked like he was going to pass by but then he gets in the boat and the storm calms that's what he wants to do for you and that's what he wants to do for me so let's just invite him right now okay so heavenly father forgive us for when we've been astonished but the faith hasn't grown. Forgive us when that astonishment actually became fertilizer for the doubt, rather than recognizing that you are, I am, you are God right here. You are the great I am. And that when the I am steps into any storm, there is peace. There is peace because everything changes with you in the mix. But it takes more than astonishment. So, Father, give us eyes to see. I pray right now that eyes would open to be able to see that, 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 that you're there. Lord, give us a heart to know that you see. You see what we're going through, that you're not far removed. But you see. You're a God that we cannot hide from. You are I am. So, Father, we invite you in. To this storm, we invite you into the boat. We invite you into our presence, God. We ask that you give us eyes to see. And Lord, that that you wouldn't be saying, oh, he has a hardened heart or she has a hardened heart. God, take our hearts. And Lord, would you massage our hearts back to life? We just speak life into our hearts. Remember the heart for the Christian. It's the core of who you are. It's everything mixed together. So Father, we just ask for your truth to just come in and to solidify deep within our being that we would know I am is in the house. We just look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Please share this, okay? Hit that share button and put a note with it. Hey, this is why you should watch it. Let people know 
why you're sharing it. And, um, you know, just if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast, Real Truth with Ruth, God's Solution for Living. And check out the website, ruthhendrickson.com. We just want you to grow in your relationship with the Lord, knowing who he is, stepping into your destiny and not getting stuck in the fear because the fear is not him. He has called you to live a life that's surrounded with his peace. And it doesn't mean that the storms won't come. It just means that you're not rocked like you would be without him. So have a great day. Be so blessed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to comment, like, review, and share it with others to help us reach more people. We also invite you to like and follow Ruth Hendrickson Ministries on Facebook or subscribe to the YouTube channel. We welcome your prayers and financial partnership to make this podcast possible. If you would like to financially support this ministry, please visit our website, ruthhendrickson.org.